Thank you. You may be seated this morning. God is good and all the time. I want to say thank you to, wasn't that great to hear a father and son just reading scripture together? Uh, Yeah, that was awesome. I was just thinking as we spent the last few weeks talking about uh, fighting for your family and then to see a father and son up here. We've been challenging you men to lead your your children and your families to find and follow Jesus. So it's awesome to just watch that. So I appreciate that. I, I do want to say, maybe maybe you're new here. My name is John, and I am blessed to serve as a pastor here. And I want to say thank you to all of you this morning. Last week was just awesome to see uh, you uh, honor our staff and to bring us up here and to give us gifts. And all the gifts are great, and the gift cards are great. Uh, but honestly, just the fact that you appreciate the staff, that was the greatest part. And so thank you for doing that. Don't we have a great staff here at Hallmark? Yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for them and I'm thankful for you being thankful for them. And I'm trying to see how many times I can say thankful, right? But uh, we do appreciate them and, and I appreciate you for honoring them. And last week, if you weren't here last Sunday night, you missed out because it was an awesome night. There were over, I mean, it's not like I sit there and counted them, but there were over 2,000 people here uh, on campus and many in our community. It was so great, and uh, I know that, that our, uh, they served over 1,600 corn dogs. That's a lot of corn dogs. A lot of, a lot of arteries getting clogged by the corn dogs, but uh, it was awesome to see. And what was really neat for me is I, I really didn't do a lot. I just stand there and hand out bags when people might you know, have forgotten a bag to gather their candy and to see you as a church serving our community. That was exciting to me. And just to watch, you know, you give out the food and to stand in line and give out connection. I mean, a lot of people even brought people to me and, hey, I met this person. They just moved here and they're looking for a church home. It it was just really cool to see you as a church serve our community. Because I believe our heart is, don't don't we want to be a faith community that serves our local community? And so I'm thankful for you guys doing that last week. It was was great. Um, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 27. As Stefan uh, mentioned, uh, we are going to be looking at a few different psalms. In fact, I think this is like the fourth year in a row where we've just used the, the month of November uh, to go and highlight a few different psalms. And so as you can see on the stage here, we're going to highlight a, a promise of God that we find in the book of Psalms. Today, our word for the day is strength. Could you say that with me? Strength on the count of, th- on the count of three. One, two, three strength. And we're going to realize that every week I get up here and I say, God is good and all the time. Do you believe that? Do you ever doubt it? I'm seeing some like we're, we're at contention here. Do you ever doubt the goodness of God? You guys are just like the first service. It's like there's this mixed, I don't, I mean, can't, I'm in church. Could I say I doubt the goodness of God? I don't know, can you? If I, if I was going to be, I should rephrase that. Since I'm going to be honest with you, I've doubted the goodness of God. I mean, I believe in my heart God is good all the time. I believe it. But sometimes I don't see it. Anybody else like that? It's, it's funny because I, 
Uh, you, you guys had the exact same response as the first service. God is good all the time. Do you believe it? Yes. And do you ever doubt it? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that in church. I, I think, I know, for me, there's been some days where I've just felt like, if God was good, why is this happening? Why are you mad at me? You ever felt like God was mad at you? Okay, God, I get it. You, have you guys ever, let's ask again, do you guys ever, have ever had moments where you kind of doubted the goodness of God? I know it's not, it's not the church thing to say yes to that question, and it seems like it's everything with me to say, no, I've never doubted the goodness of God. I'm in church, I can't say that. And I, I think, honestly, that that's probably been um, a weakness of the church over the years, church in general. As we feel like we have to pretend. And we can't be real that, man, this week has been tough. I mean, I went to a funeral of a 17-year-old kid this week. And I didn't like it. And if I were, the reality is, I kind of questioned some things. So let me ask you again. You ever doubt the goodness of God? I hate to say it, but I do. And as you listen to the text in Psalms 27, you, the word that kept coming up on the screen that just caught my attention, it's because this is a different translation than what I've been reading, but it said confident. Like the psalmist was confident. And if you know, and as you kind of listened, maybe you grabbed the context, the, the and, and as Andy mentioned, it's a psalm of David. David's the author. We know that. We don't really know the full context context of the, the writing. We don't know the timeline specifically. There's some guesses and some educated guesses, and most theologians would agree or think that David was probably writing this when he was going to be the king but was not the king yet, and that he was running from King Saul, because King Saul wanted, what did King Saul want to do? He wanted to kill him. And so David is running, and, and we see that in the text, that he is, the, the enemies are against him, the battle is coming, and he's, he's far from the, the temple. He wants to worship in the house of God. He's separated from his families. There's people spreading slander about who David is, and just everything seems to be going wrong, and everything seems to be like Maybe, just maybe, David could be asking the question, God, are you, really, are you really good? I think it's important to know that if we can truly say, yes, I believe God is good and I believe God is in control, then, then I believe that's David's heart. I believe that's what David believed. And we see, look, look we're just going to kind of highlight for a moment verses 1 and verse 14. It's the first and the last verse of this text. But understand the context that David is writing. David's problems were bigger than my problems. What David was facing was life or death. I'm not in a life or death situation right now. What David was facing, the struggles that David was facing, and one of the reasons it's hard to pinpoint, is this the time when David was talking about, was because David had a lot of times it could have happened. Like he, this is not the only isolated event where David had people after him. 
It's kind of hard to pinpoint which specific battle or enemy is he talking about. But when I look at this text and I see that David and, and we see all of these things that are going wrong, look what he says in verse number one. The Lord is, so this is a declaration. It's, it's like the declaration every Sunday when we get up here and say, God is good all the time and all the time. It's a declaration that even though life is not good, God still is good. And even though we may doubt it at times, we do have to rest. And this is what he said. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? This rhetorical question, right? If God is my salvation, what he's saying is God is my rescue. And because God is my rescue, because God is good, and because God is in control, and because God is all-powerful, and because God is sovereign, because of these things I know about God and believe about God, then the question is, well, why would I be afraid of anything? Well, he continues in verse 1. Here's the word we want to focus on today. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And he asks the same question. So in verse 1, he states, The Lord is my rescue, and he's my strength. And look at verse number 14 then. It says, Await on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he doubles down, Wait, I say, on the Lord. So he uses this word strength, and he uses it really differently in two different verses. In verse 1, let's kind of understand, what is he saying in verse number 1? The Lord is my light, my salvation, Whom shall I fear? And then he declares, the Lord is the strength of my life. What does this word strength mean? What is he saying? What he's saying is, the Lord is a place of safety. The Lord is my protection. The Lord is a refuge. The Lord is the stronghold. The Lord is rock. The Lord is, we sang the words, the Lord is my fortress. That is what David is saying. David is declaring that because of who God is and because of his relationship with God, that God is his strength, his rock, his fortress, his stronghold, his place of safety. And then in verse 14, he uses it a little differently. And he says, he shall, God will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Well, what does he mean by saying that it's, it's the same root word here? What is he saying? He's saying that God, He shall make you strong. He shall make you brave. He shall give you courage. He shall make you bold. So sandwiched into these problems and struggles and fears that David has, he makes the declaration in verse 1, God is my fortress. And then in verse 14, he says, God makes me strong. Not only is God strong, but then also God makes me strong. Because life can sometimes be difficult. And what he says here in verse number 14 is, wait on the Lord. Be, it's like this statement, be of good, what's the next word? Courage. Again, so he says, wait, be of good courage. What he's saying is, if you'll wait on the Lord... He will make you brave. He will give you courage. He will give you strength. But this word courage, or this statement even, be of good courage. Have you, have you ever seen uh, it go around where people have said, 
365 times uh, in the Bible, it says, be of good courage, don't be afraid. There's one for every day of the year. Anybody ever heard that or seen that online? Okay, that's not true, by the way. I just want to point it out. It's not true. It does say it a lot in the scripture, okay? I think over 500 times it talks about being fearful and not being fearful, but it doesn't specifically say 365 times and one on leap year. You know, it doesn't say that, all right? But all throughout the scripture, we are told, be of good, what's the word? Courage. Take heart have strength. And what David is saying, that strength doesn't come from me. That strength comes from God. I want to share you with you seven verses this morning that say, be of good courage. Okay. Now I know you're going to try to write them down really quickly. Don't worry about that. Okay. The last slide is going to have all of them on one slide and you can take a picture of it and we'll be good. Okay. I don't want you freaking out over it because I want you to hear the verses, not just be like, oh, I got to write this down. But I think here's a good thought is that you could have one of these verses for every day of the week. Because if you're like me, life sometimes is difficult and you need to be reminded, take heart, be of good courage. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes, what's the next two words? With you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. First Chronicles 28.20. David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, what does it say? Will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I just like to point out, I love the fact that that we see a father teaching his son, be of good courage, for the Lord is with you. Psalm, uh, excuse me, Psalm 31, 24, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Isaiah 41, 10, fear not for I am, what is it? With you, be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Aren't these great reminders of God giving us courage? The courage doesn't come from me. The courage comes from God. David says, wait on the Lord. He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. All right, so here's the one that maybe you want to take a picture of, right? And maybe, maybe every day this week you could just get up and say, you know what? Tomorrow morning I'm going to read Deuteronomy 31 6. And I'm going to be encouraged because the reality is life sometimes, doesn't life sometimes just have the way of kicking the mess out of us, right? And maybe. As David is like, I just need to, I need to make a declaration today that I'm going to be strong. Weekly words of encouragement. So what does it mean? It seems like in verse 14, David is telling us, he's telling the reader, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord and what's going to happen? He, God will strengthen your heart. In other words, he will give you strength. 
He will make you brave. He will make you strong. He will give you courage. And then he says again, wait, I say, on the Lord. It seems like then maybe it's important for us to understand or to define what does it mean to wait on the Lord. If waiting on the Lord leads to strength, if waiting on the Lord leads to God giving us, equipping us, empowering us, do you guys want to know what it means to wait on the Lord? It doesn't mean just sitting there and doing nothing. The waiting here, waiting on the Lord is not a passive do nothing. There's some steps we need to take. And I think we can see it in Psalm 27. All right, let me give you three things. What does it mean to wait? Waiting involves trusting. Waiting involves trusting. Let me read a few verses here. We're going to read verses 1 through 3, then 5 and 6, and then verse 13. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat at my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Verse 3, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not, what does it say? Fear. David is declaring that because even, even in spite of circumstances, in the face of fear, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Then he, he kind of continues on the same thought. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. What is he in confident in? That the Lord is his salvation and his light and his strength. Verse 5, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me on a high, he shall set me high upon a rock. Verse 6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in this tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will praise the Lord. In verse 13, I would have lost heart. You ever almost lost heart? Anybody ever been discouraged? Frustrated? And David says, I would have lost heart unless I had, what's the word? Believed. Unless I would trust it. I had faith that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living You see, when we make the statement, God is good all the time, it's a statement that God is in control and that his goodness is not dependent on my life being good. And in the midst of trial, trouble, war, betrayal, David says, I would have lost heart if I wouldn't have stopped believing, if I wouldn't have trusted that, I'm, that God is good. God is good in spite of circumstances. Most of us, or many of you, maybe have this memorized. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. What is it? With all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, but in some of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Did I say that right? What does it say? 
In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You see, waiting on the Lord leads to strength from the Lord. Waiting on the Lord involves trusting God. I'm going to trust God. This second one, waiting involves seeking. One thing I desire, verse 4 of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty in the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Waiting involves seeking. And David was sitting here seeking, like desiring to get back to the temple of God, to worship in church, to worship with God's people. And and David was seeking, and he was seeking God, but he was seeking worship with God. And and I think when we think about this idea of seeking God, it's more than just David was seeking to be in the house of God. He was seeking to have communion with God. He was seeking to know God. He was seeking to get closer to God. When I think of John chapter 15, when Jesus said, abide in me. We talked about that, right? Be the branch, abiding in Christ. This is what we're talking about. We're going to seek after God. And the greatest way for you to seek after God is to get in, into God's word. We, we quoted this last week, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It speaks to the importance of getting into the Word of God. And I would say this this morning, that if the only time you open up your Bible or the only time you get the YouVersion Bible app and start looking at Scripture is when you're in here on Sunday morning in church, you're not going to have the strength of God in your life. When When times get difficult... You're not going to have the word of God to give you the power of God. And that's what the psalmist said, is it blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But what does the next verse say? But his, what's the word? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates how often? Day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the river of water. Day and night. The truth is, you cannot meditate on God's Word unless you have memorized God's Word. And you cannot memorize God's Word unless you get into God's Word. You heard uh, Stefan when she read Scripture this morning. She said it's the same verse that, that in Hallmark Kids they're learning. And I'm thankful that we have Hallmark Kids Ministry who is implanting the Word of God into the minds of our kids. Aren't you thankful for that? And what it says is that I want to meditate on his word day and night. M- most of us probably have heard of, and, and if you've never heard of it before today, you've already heard it today, but Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it's like this, a lot of people's favorite verse. Have I not commanded you to be strong and good courage? Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is, what is it? He's with you wherever you go. But what does verse number 8 say? What precedes God's presence? And his power. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it when? Doesn't that sound pretty familiar? You you see, the, the power of God in our life comes from the presence of God in our life. And the presence of God's the presence of God in our life comes from being in his word. And so one of the reasons that David, in spite of circumstances, could say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, the Lord is my strength, whom shall I be afraid, is because David was seeking after God. 
David was pursuing God. Waiting involves seeking God. Not only is waiting involved seeking God, uh, and, and not only are we thinking about seeking God, of getting into his word, but I also want to say this, that waiting on God led him in verse number six to worship God. And remember what he was saying in verse number four, like he was desiring to be in the house of God, to worship with the people of God. Do you remember what it was like uh, a year or so ago when we couldn't come to the house of God? Do you remember that? Do you remember having the desire to get back to the house of God, to worship with God's people? And you know what I find um, discouraging for most pastors right now? Is that many people don't have that desire. And after we spent a few weeks at home on TV, it kind of got comfortable, didn't it? Can I just say, there's nothing like worshiping God in the house of God with the people of God. Now let me also say, if the only time you worship God is in the house of God with the people of God, that's not good either. I, I worship God in my uh, car or my truck all the time. I worship God at home all the time. But there's something about getting in this place and worshiping with you. It's just different, isn't it? Do you, do you realize, let's just think for a moment. If your, if your private worship was more powerful, would our public worship be more powerful? Let me, let me make it easier for you. If my private worship were more powerful, would our public worship be more powerful? Yeah, we, we, we kind of all got to take a little bit of ownership of that, don't we? What if we spent time in the Word of God every day? What if we worship God every day? I think it would change what it feels like in here. Because if your, if your private worship is powerful and my private worship is powerful, just think what our corporate worship would be like. And David is just saying, I want to seek God in his word and through worship. Waiting involves trusting. Waiting involves seeking. Number three, waiting involves praying. Waiting involves praying. I, I love the Psalms because I, if, if you really look into the Psalms and allow yourself, you can, really, you can feel the emotion of the author, the transparency of the author. Like when they're mad at God, they say they're mad at God. And many Psalms start out with, why, oh God, have you forsaken me? And then they end up with, oh God, thank you for loving me. You know, like it goes from complaining to worship. And I think there's a pattern there. If we would be honest with God about our feelings, God can honestly deal with our feelings. But look what he says in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. 
and such as breathe out violence. And you just feel the emotion of David. Life is terrible. And what does he do? He cries out to God. You know, I believe that the most underutilized resource is prayer. I believe in your life, I believe in my life, the most underutilized tool is prayer. I do not pray enough. How many of you would also confess this morning, I do not pray enough? And what prayer is, prayer is, a, is, is really understanding and declaring your dependence on God. But why is it we look at prayer sometimes as this obligation? Like it's a checkbox, it's a list. I, I got to read my Bible, I got to pray. The reality is you get to pray. I get to pray. Do you realize that prayer is a conversation with God? The God the Father, God the one who created you, the one who designed you for a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, the one who sent his son to die in your place. That's the guy. That's the good, good father that you and I get to talk to. And shame on me for not praying more. I want to give you a list. There, there, it'll be on the screen here that, uh, that I just thought off the top of my head. There is so much more that you could look into Scripture about this. Maybe you want to take a picture of this one too. But these are just a few verses that talk about prayer. Paul says in Philippians, pray about everything. Remember, remember what he said? Be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. By prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts. That's a pretty good verse. Pray about everything. First Thessalonians, pray always. Matthew 6, 6, pray privately. James 5, 6, pray publicly. Matthew 21, 22, pray expectantly. Hebrews 4, 16, pray boldly. And I think we all admit we don't pray enough, do we? If we're going to truly wait on God. And David says, wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so in verse number one, what David is saying, He is your strength, trust Him. God's worthy of your trust. And in verse 14, David says, He gives you strength, so wait on Him. And waiting involves trusting, seeking, and praying. You know, this week, I was reminded of the goodness of God. And sometimes the goodness of God, being reminded of the goodness of God, it, it kind of, it's not always in good situations. About seven years ago, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, seven years ago, two weeks ago, this, I, I got a phone call. In fact, I, re, I remember vividly, I was out coaching football. I was in, living in Kansas at the time. And I got a phone call. I don't typically answer the phone call when I'm coaching. And I was out on the practice field. But I looked at who was calling. The lady that called me, I, I assumed she was calling me because her parents were really aging and not good health. And I thought something happened. So I kind of stepped away. I answered the phone call. 
And um, that's not what the phone call was about, but what she told me, kind of in a panic and, and frustrated and really broken, was uh, my son was murdered when he was 17 years old. And he had a twin brother. And so I remember driving uh, to the funeral home. It was in Oklahoma. And what I expected to see when I walked into the funeral home was this mom that would be completely just devastated. And in fact, what I saw that day, what I experienced that day, that I prayed I never would have to experience again, and I pray that I never have to experience it personally. But what I did experience was that God's grace is always sufficient. That his mercies are new every morning. That great is his faithfulness. And the way that God, the grace that God gave this lady to deal with the death of her son. And her main focus that day was, John, when we do this funeral, I just want people, I want people to hear the gospel. And I remember that day, many people raised their hand to give their life to Christ that day. And every once in a while, she'll text me and um, tell me, you know, whether she's struggling that day or whether she had a gospel conversation that day. And a few years ago, she texted me. And she said that, that that day someone had came to her office. Just so happens this young man that was sitting across her desk was a person who had just gotten out of prison who knew the person who killed her son. It's like, what did, what did you do? She told him, I, I told that, that he needs to tell that guy I've forgiven him. And I gave him the gospel. And I told him that Jesus loves him. And I pray that you never have to experience that. I pray I never have to experience that. But what I did experience through her was what David said. The Lord is my strength. Whom shall I fear? And I'm, I was reminded of that again this week because, for one, it's, it's been about seven years ago. But Thursday, uh, I s- stood before a friend of mine and gave him a big hug and we had just had his 17 year old son funeral he was in a a single car accident there were four in the car three of them walked away from it um, and, and his son died and I went up and gave him a big hug and said man I'm, I'm sorry I'm praying for you you know what he said to me? He said, my, my boy knew Jesus. And I know where he's at. He said, but those other three kids, I don't know if they know Jesus. So if one of them had to die, I'm glad it was my son. And I stand before you and say, I don't know if I could say that. But what I experienced through those two people was what David was talking about. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my shelter, my place of safety, my security. Whom shall I be afraid? Wait 
on the Lord, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord.